pressure pressing down on me pressing down on you you know before this week's episode a couple of announcements about upcoming live shows vanessa is going to be in iowa on april 18th we're doing a live show in los angeles on april 21st and then in san francisco on april 24th and then for everyone in and near indianapolis we're doing a live show with john green on May 15th. Come and get your tickets at harrypottersacredtext.com and click on the big orange button. John Green? John Green? John Green? The John Green? I don't think I can make it. <laughs> Chapter 24. Okay, clemency creature it transpired had been lurking in the attic. Sirius said he had found him at bear covered in dust and no doubt looking for more relics of the Black family hiding in his cupboard. Though Sirius seemed satisfied with his story, I'm Vanessa's old hand and I'm Casper to Kyle and this is Harry Potter and the t- Sacred Text. From the ages of 15 to 18, every morning I took a journey that lasted an hour and a half to get to school and then another hour and a half to get home and it involved me walking, getting a ride in a car, to a place where the school bus would pick me up that would take me to school. So three times a week, I got a ride in this VW van with like, and Reiki healer and therapist and someone else. And like everyone was fascinating. But on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would get a ride with Shireen. And Shireen was a friend of my mother's and she's also the mother of one of my sister's classmates. So we were connected in various ways, and I loved getting a ride with Shireen because Shireen was the first adult I remember who showed real interest in what I thought about the world. She would ask me questions about politics, and we would talk about TV shows, and what was so special to me about Shireen is that she asked questions about what I thought. Like, she was interested in my perspective. And if you grew up in a family at home and you have siblings especially, there's no space for that, right? No one has time. My parents certainly were running around, running a business, raising kids, like there was just enough going on. And I just remember how much it meant to me that like I knew that twice a week I would sit down in a car in a low pressure situation and someone showed real curiosity about what I thought about the world. And so I read this chapter around curiosity really with the sense that curiosity isn't just showing interest. It's about helping someone become who they have the potential to be. Because sometimes I would say things out loud to Shireen that I never said out loud to anyone else before. And she was there to hear it. And so that's what I want to explore in this chapter. How does curiosity help us and help the characters in this chapter chapter become who that's going to be? Well, while Casper, before we explore that, I'm curious as to whether or not you've gotten better at 30 second recaps. You know, it's because you never show curiosity that I'm not getting better. He's right. On your mark, get set. So everyone's back at grim old place, author comes home. Hooray. A series is beginning to get sad because everyone's going to go and then suddenly Snape drops by and wants to talk to Harry and Harry's like, why? And Snape is like, well, because I'm going to cheat you, teach you clemency, and you have to come to my office on Monday. And then Sirius flips out and it's like, don't even talk to me. This is my house and Sirius is an oar. And then Harry is standing between them like a hero. All this stuff happens and then he teaches hard to know how to do it. He's very bad at clemency. And like, he keeps seeing things in his brain that Snape sees and State says you have to control your mind. And that's really the end of it. 
Yeah, well, you add some additional pointers, Vanessa. I'll see what I can do. Here we go. Three, two, one, go serious. It's like you're going to leave me. I'll leave you first. Go hang out with the group upstairs because he's just a bastion of maturity. Cho gets Terry to ask her out and, like, sort of makes him think that it's his idea. What I just think is it's the best thing ever. And I'm serious is like a really abusive and keeps calling Baltimore the Dark Lord and then getting mad at Harry for calling them Voldemort and 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 sell Snake is Snake, not serious, and Snape is a really bad character. You know what it reminded me of? It's like Snape is sort of meditation teacher. Like, what's your thoughts? Control your mind. He would have been the worst meditation teacher in, in the history of meditation teaching. My big takeaway from this chapter is as bad as I think Snape is, he is worse than that. Okay, well, let's dig into that. So this central dra drama of this chapter is really this interaction with Harry and Snape, where in Snipe's office, Harry's pretending that he has remedial potions. Zachariah Smith is teasing him about it. And this is Harry's worst nightmare. I mean, he hates Snape. Anything that's spending time with Snape is not a good thing. And more than that, Snape is the tree invading his mind, his memories, his most private thoughts. And that's what really strikes me is some of this, some of the description that Snape uses to explain what the power of clemency is about, really. Help, help me understand how Snape is in a new way. He, he says only those that skilled at Ultimate Sea are, are able to shut down those feelings and memories that contradict the lie. That's the way you can survive a, a double life, which, of course, at this point, we know Snape is a double agent. So we're getting a massive insight, to, in, insight into how Snape exists between these two worlds. Right, it's because Snape is literally cutting his personality in half. He's splitting himself in two in this way that I, that I feel Harry couldn't help but have compassion for if he really understood what was happening. And so I'm curious, like, how do you see curiosity failing in this moment from Harry? So I blame Harry zero, and that's dynamic. But I do think that Harry is missing a lot of interesting cues. It just makes me wonder about our responsibility to be curious. I have a kid in my life who's being treated really poorly by a classmate of hers right now. Is it morally imperative for her to be complicating this identity of this bully, or is that not her job? Is it only her job to make sure that she gets treated with dignity and respect? And I don't have a clear answer to that, because I often think that curiosity is absolutely like, I would say, it's like a straight path to empathy. If you are curious about someone, you're going to learn things that will help you empathize with them. I just don't think it's always our responsibility to empathize with everyone. I don't know Snape so terrible. Well, I think about that because I think your instincts really reveal something about the power dynamic here. If it was a different situation and Snape was not Harry's teacher, Harry being more understanding of Snape's story and the context of what's going on, suddenly later in the books, it really does help to see Snape in a different way. So much so that he names his son off to him. But in this moment, there's such a power differential. It's unfair to think that Harry has a responsibility besides keeping himself sane and safe. And Snape is so rude to so many of Harry's questions. Why would Harry why would, why would Harry think like that? Like asking questions would get him anywhere. Right, in the context I was raised and the questions were considered the highest form of intelligence. Like you were really empowered to ask questions and question everything. But Harry is not being taught that lesson. And so for Snape to want any sort of curiosity or empathy, but to be like 
don't ask me about that. Gosh, you really are stupid. And calling it mind reading like Snape is, is not fostering a safe safe space for curiosity because curiosity is a place of vulner vulnerability. That's right. I see. This is really an interesting question that I have for you, which is that I think especially Jewish culture engages questions in a very different way from the way I was raised, but definitely from the way I see like mainstream culturally Christian context. So for example, not only questioning, but like actively challenging ideas that are put forward are often in a Jewish context, a demonstration of care. It's like, I want to have this conversation with you. I want to dig deeper into the truth. And like, I'm going to get that by kind of robustly questioning and testing the assumptions that you're putting forward while in different contexts that can be seen as something threatening, something that's rude. I don't think we're in that kind of cross-cultural context to it has now been Harry, but it's interesting how we demonstrate curiosity can show up differently in different cultures. Oh yeah, I mean, first day of like Hebrew school kindergarten, I asked the teacher if Adam and Eve had two, had two sons, how how we are we are how we are all here, and she didn't know how to answer me, and I thought I was in trouble. And then I ended up getting there's an award called the Covert Award that was given every month, and in front of the entire synagogue, I was given the award, and like she didn't know how to handle it in that moment, but she was still like but i want to celebrate that you are like a precocious five-year-old who asked questions that embarrassed me to the point that i couldn't answer that right and that was the pedagogical lesson i was taught like even if you were going to humiliate me in front of your fellow students we will reward you for asking tough questions you're a budget a bridge like like a harmony that is a great point i know you've got a special project right like you just want what a generous thing, really lifting up that spirit of curiosity. And, and I think it is such an incredible gift to go out into the world, eager to learn, wanting to find answers, you know. And frankly, that is so many of the institutions, whether democracy or the rule of law, they're dependent on curiosity when we stop looking for answers. That's when evil can creep in. And I think we've seen in this book, in previous books, you know, the way that fudge goes around not wanting to engage new questions because it might lead to dangerous answers. That's what happens when curiosity is killed. So that spirit of learning and questioning, I think, is central to how we live together safely and happily. Yeah, the big lack of curiosity to me, and I'm sure everybody read this trap chapter and it's like, Harry, why are you asking X, Y, and Z? But the, but the fact that Snape just keeps hammering on and on, like, like do not call him for Voldemort, and then it's like the Dark Lord. I don't understand why Harry is not, is not like, why do you keep calling him by that honorific right? And that, to me, is a real missed opportunity of curiosity. What do we think is the reason why, why do you think he calls him that? I mean, I think he was like inculcated as a member and I think he's still drawn to the dark arts and has a lot of respect for all the more and doesn't want to call, call him he who must be not be named, but first to give him this like title of reverend. That's interesting because to me, it was more about the two worlds that he lives in. Although I, I do not like that answer. I, I, I like that answer. I was thinking that for him, he's got these two worlds. And the one which Voldemort is in, he's called the Dark Lord. 
And so to call someone with two different main names starts to mould together these two was the tries to keep separate and safer to call him the Dark Lord and Hogwarts Hogwarts than it is to start saying he must be not, not be named in the Death Eater community. I love that in my death. So as a d- double agent, there's a strategy involved. And like, I would rather make this a mistake, this mistake rather than that mistake. Yeah. It just kept driving me nuts that I was like, you're going to give him such a hard time about what he's calling him when you are calling this like evil torture like by his preferred name i mean snape's not going to be an effective teacher here oh my god so we have umbridge on one side being like you only need theory and then you have snape being like okay now i'm just going to try and get in your brain stop me it's completely overwhelming to me as someone who would like a who would like minimal teacher training how bad the teaching is he is adding to harry's trauma it's like if you take a self-defense class they don't try to kill you with a knife and be like protect yourself they teach you how to protect yourself then stay safe stay safe in ways simulate things in order to teach you he's actually assaulting harry yeah i i mean harry is being confronted with cedric's death he's seeing all these things which as you say are completely traumatic and and the question i have is does snape really want harry to learn because i think snape is conflicted and i think all of that points to actually snipe's lack of curiosity and harry as well you know i think he simply will not afford himself that luxury because i think for snape if he allowed himself to feel curiosity about harry if he felt any sort of empathy his whole constructed world of who is right and who is wrong would kind of come crashing down it's easy and frankly right for him to be super resistant to Sirius because Sirius is a complete and utter joke mount in this chapter. But like Lupin, there are other characters who in instincts world are still evil, who frankly are not unlike the only way that Snape can survive his dual reality is by keeping some people good and some people bad, even if they don't necessarily fit into that mold anywhere. And so I feel like you, you know, if anyone's failing in curiosity, it's also Snape. Yeah, because what Dumbledore, good Dumbledore instructed this, but he has to hang out with Harry. Bad, right? And so he he's just completely split down the middle, and he's like, fine, I'll teach you, but I'm not even going to care about how this week's episode is supported by the School for Good and Evil, A Crystal of Time by Saman Kanani. It's the fifth book in the fantasy series packed with magic romance and adventure that will appeal to all readers. But if you miss the magic of Hogwarts and the fun friend dynamics of Harry run in harmony, then this is the perfect series for you to read. Next, you'll love meeting Agatha, Sophie, and Ted, cross at the school for good and evil. It's available now wherever books are sold, so head over to schoolforgoodandevil.com. For, for more, more information, information, oh shit, sorry. For more, for more information, this week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to brought to you by Kara Karev. is a monthly subscription of, of vitamin service that te- that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement backs right to your door. So if you live in a place that actually has sunshine, first of all, great life choices. Second of all, you probably don't have the same thing in your pack. Mine has a lot of vitamin D that Karev sends right to my door. I think Dumbledore's pack were. Comp- can include lemon lemon drops as spring comes we suggest springing into a healthy routine it's a fun online quiz that you can take in order to get your personalized vitamins and personalized care of subscription box get sent right to your door every month with it with personalized daisy daily packs care of has a fun online quiz that asks you about your diet health goals and lifestyle choices 
Like my lifestyle choice to live in a frozen tundra, and 90% of people fall short of FDA-recommended guidelines for at least one vitamin or nutrient. Care-of makes, makes it easy to find out what you specifically you need to be your healthiest and delivers daily vitamin and supplement, supplement packs right to your door. Care Care-of also makes a difference. A portion of every sale goes, goes towards the Good, Plus, Good, the Good Plus Foundation, which provides expectant mothers in need with a, with a valuable prenatal vitamins. For 50% off your first month of personalised care vitamins, go to CareDot and enter your promo code. Harry, Pot- Harry Potter 50, again for 50% of your first month of personalised care of vitamins, go to careof.com and enter the promo code Harry Potter 50. So I think that we like very easily have absolved Harry from being curious about Snape. And I think that like, I want to absolve this kid in my life from being curious about her bully. But I don't think it's everyone's job to empathize. I just wonder, I mean, you just call Sirius a jerk mound right now. Like, is it other people's responsibility to be curious about abusive people? So like, should Sirius be curious about Snape? And I think I'm wrestling with this because, you know, something we have done has been curious about Umbridge and has been curious about Petunia. And our curiosity does end up being empathetic to abusers. And I don't think that it is necessary for victims of abuse to be curious or empathize with their abusers. But I want there to be a space where everybody has a route to empathy and compassion. And I don't know, I'm like sometimes uncomfortable with the people who I have been curious about. And so I'm wondering, it's certainly somebody whose job to be empathetic. I mean, the way I think about it, about which is I think something we both shared from the beginning is that we are readers of a fictional text. And so it's totally safe for you and me to read something that that does at least in an empathetic way. I know I wouldn't, I know, you know, I wouldn't ask someone who's being abused to think that way about their abuser or to even think that way about a character who reminds them of abuser, even that I think is completely fair. So for me, it's really about like, where's it safe for us to practice empathy in a way that is not like Snape forcing you to relive your trauma in your first go on clemency, but is at your own pace, allowing you to take a step at the right of your own heart's capacity, which for? For the two of us, allowed to do that with with the does leave, and I think will certainly allow us to do in some context with Snape in these coming next few chapters in books. And that's that's what I've loved about a podcast project that is a ch- that is a chance to practice it in a way that is safe. So now, so that's how I think about the difference. Yeah, it's like when is what we are doing the form of clemency now, and the like clemency training i just think that empathizing is dangerous and not empathizing is dangerous right like turning other people into the monster i think is what keeps us from growing individually yeah and we know that i mean what's a beautiful about the pensive that we again see in this chapter just as a material item and kind of going back into the previous memories and previous stories in the way that we do in this chapter is that sometimes the most healing things are retelling what happened to us in a different way or retelling what happened to us and and having it be heard and affirmed especially by a perpetrator that can be the most healing experience and so i hope that you know even just the way in which we engage these characters and the way in which we think about the motivations and where we might have empathy and curiosity for that experience is that it might help us take a step towards some form of healing in our own lives and the world around us. 
Yeah, so I mean, I guess the next question is like, gee, we actually think it. We actually think it's Snoop's job to be curious about Harry, given the like various torture that he's gone through in order to keep Terry safe. And by Harry's dad, who by all accounts looks just like Harry. I mean, it's the teacher relationship that I think puts the moral impetus on Snape, but I don't know. I mean, I think this is just another case that we need to look at funding for schools, because if there's only one teacher who can teach a clemency, then we're in a teacher training problem. Yeah, surely there are other ways you can do this job now. Fair enough. Dumbledore might not just be looking at skill, but might be looking at levels of trust. But surely there's someone else who can help him out, right? Well, he doesn't want anybody to be teaching Harry who, who, he, who he doesn't trust to read Harry's mind, right? So, And to see everything that Harry is alive. I wish I hadn't thought about that. Oh yeah, right, like that. It has to be someone and his closest confidant. Okay, well, that does narrow the pool significantly. It does, but, like, create that cap that capacity with McGonagall and, like, everybody to stop, stop trusting so few people, like, expand your trust circle, grow up, is in the forest, and an example, excellent clue, Mensa. I also think that Dumbledore needs to say to Snape, I mean, like, at the end of the day, it's on Dumbledore to say, the t say to Snape, this is a child who deserves your curiosity and your empathy and you getting to know him for him. Well, let's draw a distinction between curiosity and cat, because there's somewhere else in the chapter towards the end uh, where after the documentary lesson, Harry returns to the to the Griffin No Common Room. And the first question her mind asks is, how did it go? And then looking concerned, are you all right, Harry? And it really struck me that Harmony's, Harmony starts with curiosity. Like, what happened? Tell, tell me, what, what did you learn? You know she's curious about documents. She's never done this before. And then she sees that he's not okay and then shifts care, care and says, are you all right, Harry? And he incoherently responds, yeah, fine, I don't know. But for me, that was such an important time because there were moments we want to be curious. And there are moments where someone is clearly in distress and curiosity is actually not appropriate. And we should offer cat. And I don't think I really thought about that in this way, that the that harmony teaches by our example. So I think that curiosity isn't always caring, but that caring always is curious. Oh, I like that. I guess in certain circumstances, it can be like, you are now incapacitated and I will take over care. Like you cannot take care of yourself. And so it's not about curiosity. It's about diagnosing and treating without other the other person's input. But her next move is still curious. What it are you are, are you okay? Right? And I'm just a big believer in letting people tell you how to take care of that. I think I've overly relied on that recently. I think sometimes I, I, I don't know like what's best for myself. So I don't know why I expect other people to always tell me what they hear. But I do know that there are negative forms of curiosity. And that is what her mind has realized, that she has gotten right, that she is interested for her own sake when there's actually something else going on. I mean, that's the key. I love Vanessa because it is to satisfy my learning and my interest or this actually like providing listening ear for you to feel cared for. It's like, where where am I putting the center of gravity in this conversation? I think that's the shift that she makes. That's really insightful. And, and that, that that's a question that I think is very alive for a lot of us, just in terms of like witnessing suffering, right? It's something you've talked about 
a lot about in terms of traffic accidents. Like, am I curious because if I confront myself with the grotesqueness of this accident, I'll drive more safely and therefore be a safer driver in the world and protect more people? Or do I just want to see because it's grotesque and interesting and I have a really hard time of like, should I be confronting myself with the myself with the, with the, the depths of the depravity and suffering in order to like, be of this world and to bear witness to the ugliness of this world or is this just like a form of self-harm or or be just like a voyeurism and exploitation vanessa this is making me completely think the re the re the harry snape engagement not only is it not a situation of curiosity without care in how snape is costing the legitimate spelling going on inside harry's brain he's not even curious literally he's doing it because he cares about what harry and show was doing or and or and obviously this is a traumatic invasive experience for harry but from snape's perspective he doesn't give two ounces about what's happening inside harry's brain he's being he's being told harry needs to learn how to resist this and he has had a long day and this is the best best he can do maybe right now so i'm suddenly seeing this thing which is like the logie lemon spell which inherently would would feel like the ultimate spell of curiosity in this case being used with zero curiosity yeah that's interesting it's like when a doctor goes down and like asks about your son gems but isn't really listening well or the fact that to you it feels super invasive to be someone like look at look at a very intimate body part but the doctor's seeing eight of those before breakfast and does not care right you know what i mean because that is snoop's reaction because he doesn't comment on anything that he's seen that he asks he sees a dog chasing harry and like w laughing the only question he asks is like whose dog was that and he's like it's my aunt margie's dog there's some grace in the fact that he doesn't say harry like showa yeah but he also does does ask well this is absolutely fascinating because i'm embarrassed to say that even though i read this last night i did not remember that question and he asks that question the moment harry resists for the first time he doesn't resist with his mind but somehow he's able to pull out his wand while the legit legitimate spell is happening and he produces a stinging hex harry asked him did you see everything i saw harry asked unsure whether he wanted to hear the answer then snape responds flashes of his lip curling to whom did the dog belong is he making a contact connection between the moment he saw the dog and when the stinging axe was produced by, by harry does he have a fondness for dogs like what's going on for severus is he showing up to harry that he saw things but then he says well for, for a first attempt i'm not as poor as, you, as it might have been raising his wand once more but you managed to stop me eventually though you wasted time and energy shouting you must remain focused it's like almost in the neighborhood of the vicinity of the land of compliment so casper while we're in this moment something that i was curious about is that when cedric's face shows that it makes snape angry why do you think that is is it because like that is the weakest thing that harry reveals or the most vulnerable thing vulnerable thing in snape is like god do better or does he blame himself for cedric's death well the best answer i can come of it come up with is that this is such a plain failing of services you know that he cedric is more than any other volta most recent victims is someone snape knew personally and probably taught for three or four years perhaps and so i think it's probably about proximity and snape snape's sense of responsibility and knowing that this is just the beginning yeah i mean i just think both could be true i also think that it's like when you want someone to be strong, it can be infuriating to watch them be weak. Any time that you're projecting weakness onto something that they can't help, right? 
Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, of addiction. You know, it's a classic example. That's a great example of that, where Sirius is like, you're letting me see this. What else? Like, like that is the most horrific, most vulnerable thing. Have ha- Have you listened to nothing I've said, right? Well, and also it's not about Harry. This is about Snape. Snape constantly has to practice resisting any sort of invasion invasion from Baltimore because we know that that Voldemort is one of one of the greatest large elements there is, especially when people are lying. So I think this is so much about Snape's own lack of confidence in himself and the worries that he has, and and that that the constant stress he lives with that Voldemort might see him do something in the way that he is now seeing something in Harry. Like I think it has less to do with Harry. I think it has a lot to do with Snipes' terrifying fear that it will be re- revealing because his life is at stake. Oh yeah. Oh man. Uh, and if and if Harry is caught, Voldemort is going to know about Snape, right? Like he's got self-interest at stake here, especially now. Yeah. So Casper, this week we're turning to Florida Elegia, in which we each pick a spark with something in the text that really spoke to us and share it with one another and put these two quotes in conversation with one another. What sparkled this up? This week, again? Harry saw a the, well. This week, Harry saw a mining mining cover arise. Oh, I picked. You haven't done anything, have you? Who? And where is your sentence from? It's actually from something we didn't even mention in the 30-second recap, which is the night bus journey back to Hogwarts. And yet we see Sun Sun, like, again. It's really not a pleasant journey. In fact, Tongs pay some extra money to get them moved up in the queues, that they don't have to feel so sick for so long. And as you know, jumping between Birmingham and Hogwarts and wherever wherever else they're going, her mind covers her eyes. So it's the moment of feeling trouble sick. And it's like, just please end this. How about you? Well, Wes, you haven't done anything, have you? It's right at the beginning of the chapter when Snape arrives at Cromwell Place. And Molly comes up and is like, Professor Snape is here to see you. And Harry's like, what? And Ron says to him, you haven't done anything, have you? Yeah. So... Why did you pick your son, Casper? I I think I I empathized with mind. I was in a car recently, and someone was driving far, far with fast intent, which was helpful because while we were running a little late, I was also arrived feeling sick, and I was like, I wish we couldn't have just driven a little more slowly and and arrived not feeling dreadful. But it was also just an interesting moment where this is a time when our mind doesn't have any answers, and I think so often when we're in Hogwarts for mining as as someone who's driving the solutions, and when Tonks and Loop with her and the rest of the gang she kind of allows herself to be a passenger and that's not not something we we see her mining too often so that just stood out to me why did you choose your little spotlight also because i empathized and i have a phone phobia and i like don't listen to my voicemails because i'm always afraid that i've done something wrong or i haven't done something i'm supposed to have done so that feeling we are wrong because like you haven't done something have you that is the first thought that would come to my mind too, is like, what did I do wrong? And so it's also just complete with the scene by itself. People in the streets. If you liked this episode, grab your nearest text editor or note-taking app and type like. And we encourage you to subscribe to our RSS feed. Please download and read through the entire thing for a sexy surprise. I have been Nat, and with me as always, this was Sir Hemingford Gray. Sir, thank you so much. Have a great one. No problem. Thanks a lot, Nat. And to all of you out there, stay dope.